Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. This is our We Rise segment in partnership with Rise Windsor Essex, where we will be bringing you stories of local female entrepreneurs in the Windsor Essex area, sharing their stories of how they built their business and how they made it happen. I want to start off by saying thank you both so much for joining me here today and I'm excited to hear about your businesses and um, your journeys as entrepreneurs. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's really nice that we could do this and um, I love listening to the episodes that you've been putting out so far so it's exciting to finally be on one. Thank you and how about we just start off by having both of you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves and your business. My name is Janet. I own Bubblegums Limited independently and I co-own Aggregate with Erin. Just moved to Windsor about three years ago and started my business, Bubblegums, in 2019. And then uh, met Erin early on in those days at Anchor Coffee House and uh, had a pretty fast and furious friendship and definitely like very passionate women. So a lot to, uh, a lot to agree on, a lot to have in common. And uh, here we are today, open the store together. I like how you skipped over the things that we disagree on, just all the positives. <laughs> Lots to agree on. It's good. We learn a lot from each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm Erin. I am the owner of Beekeeper Food Wraps and uh, co-owner of Aggregate with Janet. Um, like Janet said, we met in sort of mid-2019 when we were both pregnant, uh, or early, early 2019. Mm-hmm. I don't remember really? when we were born. Yeah, we were both pregnant with our uh, with our daughters, with my youngest and Janet's daughter. Um, and uh, I had just started Bee Cooper Food Wraps about six months before we met, so it was still really in its early days. But uh, meeting Janet sort of um, propelled me on looking at my business in a different way. So a lot of its growth really uh, had to do with sort of meeting her and finding a different perspective that I could put into my own business. Amazing. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to, you know, dive more into that and hear more about your journeys. And I guess to start off, do we want to start with Janet? Tell us a little bit about starting up your business and sort of as an entrepreneur, was this something that you had always known you'd wanted to do or how did you sort of get into that field? So my entire career, so about uh, 14 years worth. I have been um, in retail management positions for some pretty major companies. Um, everything from managing small teams to brand managing to teams of 95 people. So I've definitely always been very passionate about what drives business, what connects people, what really what propels a business forward has always been in me. And then when I had my daughter, I was in the early days of mat leave and sort of started experimenting with teething products, just really as a hobby. I did not do well at the whole like sit still mat leaf thing. It was very foreign to me. Um, so I started that really early on. Like I think I, I started looking at supplies and what I could create for her. She was a month old. So I would have put it into about May. And by August, the business was launched with a name and an entire identity. So definitely didn't waste a lot of time, but um, I've always goal set around being, you know, my own boss one day, as cheesy as that sounds, just taking everything that I've learned from other places and seeing how I could apply them in my own life. So starting my own business was definitely like an organic next step for me. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that definitely makes sense. And it's, it's interesting sort of how those things progress. And so when, I guess, when did you sort of decide or what made you decide when you were actually, you know, turning it into a business itself? I know you said you started off trying to find products for your daughter um, and then sort of the next steps with that. Um, I think in anything that's like a lot of my small business peers, the story is, is nothing crazy. It's kind of like, oh, I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I, I, saw, I thought if I could tackle it myself um, and then, you know, it's some, a friend asks and then a friend of a friend and then I meet Erin who just sort of says, you need to go for this um, and definitely was someone who sort of like lit a fire under me to say like, this is really cool. You're doing a really great job. You take it seriously and you've definitely like wrapped your mind around every aspect of it. So why don't you just go with it? And um, just that little bit of encouragement and dialed me right in to have the focus and the drive for it. And honestly, it was just one thing after another. It sort of, I sort of turned around one day and went, when did this happen? I love that. And I love that, you know, both of you sort of have that support for each other. You know, you have a business together, but also for your own individual businesses. And Erin, would you like to talk a little bit about starting up your business and how that all came to be as well? Yeah, I guess it's, um, it's a long, uh, it's definitely not everywhere I pictured myself. I never really saw myself um, in an entrepreneurial window. My dad uh, started the business when he was around the age that I am now, but I, you know, as a child and teenager, I was always kind of focused on travel was my big thing. I, uh, I worked with the Rotary Club and did the youth exchange program and lived in Mexico for a year and instead of grade 11. Then I finished high school early and, and literally flew like on my own and left when I was 17 and moved to England and thought I'm going to like globetrotter and travel <laughs> the world and I'm going to be 40 and I'm going to come back with like beads in my hair and like raggedy clothes and I'll be all mysterious. And uh, then I got pregnant really young. I was 20 years old and it really threw me for a loop. Like it really changed my life. I was not at all where I expected to be, but being pregnant when you're young and uh, you know, 4,000 kilometers away from your family really changes the way you look at your life and the perspective that you're um, approaching it from. So I moved back home. Uh, the relationship with, um, with him didn't last, but he did actually move back to Canada with me. And uh, we co-parent really, really well now with our daughter, who's uh, going to be 11 this year. Um, but doing that, you know, meant that I was back in Windsor and I never expected to be in Windsor at all. Like I very purposefully ran like very quickly <laughs> away from Windsor thinking this is not the place for me. Uh, but I ended up back here with a child and I needed to do something. So I thought I'm going to go to school. Uh, I went back to university and did a very specific degree in um, Arabic and Jewish studies, which I loved, but, you know, misguided. There aren't too many jobs uh, centering around that um, that area that aren't teaching. And I am a terrible teacher. So after three years, I finished my degree and thought, well, that was a good, you know, use of my time and a use of my money that's not really going to get me anywhere else. Uh, By the time I finished that degree, I was with my now husband. Um, I got pregnant with with our first child together, my second in 2017, and really had to start looking at what I was going to do with the rest of my life to support my family. Um, I hadn't really ever thought about making a lifelong plan up until about that point when I was, you know, pregnant and with one kid and expecting a second. And that's when I really looked at my own family and thought my dad started his business in the mid eighties with uh, no education and no experience in his chosen field, but he was very confident and he sort of, you know, pulled himself up by his bootstraps and 
really, like I've talked to Janet about this, the old fake it till you make it. He is the definition of decide what you're going to do and just tell people that's what you are. And eventually, maybe you'll (laughs) convince them and you'll convince yourself. So I really, I honestly, that is what I did. I decided, you know, I can be an entrepreneur. I'm confident. I'm independent. I have lots of experience um, traveling and talking to different people. And I can, I can do this. I can definitely do this. And my first attempt failed miserably. Like, in every definition of the word, the first uh, way I tried to be an independent business owner went just terribly for me. And it was horrific and personally devastating and financially devastating. But I bounced back almost immediately. And before that business sort of tumbled, I had already started Beekeeper Food Wraps purely from an at-home hobby, doing something that was good for my family. Um, and that was really it. I was already doing this at home, thinking this is a good way to spend our money to use less plastic, to be better people for the earth. And it was my daughter who was seven at the time who said, well, like, you know, people keep asking you for these, they should be paying you stop giving them stuff for free. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a great idea. Thank you. And, (laughs) And here, like, you know, there's lots of bumps from there till now, but it genuinely was that difficult a road that ended with a child telling me like, why are you doing all this work and people aren't paying you for it. Uh, and I just, you know, the support of my family from that point was really important. And the support of people like Janet and um, like the community in Windsor, Essex that I met was really important. But it wasn't, you know, a really beautiful, well put together, thought out plan. I just tumbled onto it from a very many years of not knowing what I was going to do. And then, you know, a failure that had to, you know, it set me on a road and I had to choose one path. And luckily, I chose the one I did. (laughs) Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think, you know, it, it is great sort of, you know, when, when you are able to bounce back from those setbacks. And I mean, both businesses have definitely been thriving. So I mean, it's definitely worked out. And now, additionally, you have another business that you've opened up together. Um, would you like to just speak a little bit about this and how all that came to? Yeah, I mean, I get Janet's um, a lot better with the memories of all this coming together. My big (laughs) memories of the past 12 months, uh, you know, Janet and I probably talked on the phone every single day of the lockdown, genuinely from like March 13th or 14th, right through till, you know, this morning when we called each other before (laughs) we met at the store, it, it really was that, uh, the bonding of that relationship and the, you know, staying in each other's lives and knowing what was going on with our families and our independent businesses really, um, for me are the main, artery of of that of what became aggregate now the store itself really is a reflection of what we look for it's something that you would find Aaron and I shopping at um and as through all of our conversations whether it was like hey like can you tell me like I've gone to Aaron for a lot of mother stuff (laughs) but whatever it was we just kept coming back around to like you know, talking about online shopping culture and why are we a, a people who are looking online? Why are we, a, why, why is Windsor a town that has to drive out of town to go find what we're looking for, whether it's Detroit, London, Toronto. Um, and we would talk about these products we were looking at, or I would talk about these other businesses that had inspired me and, oh, wouldn't it be great to work with people like this or, or having an opportunity to work with someone like that. And then saying, what if, what if we put four walls around this? And then, you know, it's kind of like the first time you say it, it's like, haha. And then the second time you say it, it's like, yeah, that would be cool. And then all of a sudden, and I know, Erin, you say I, I remember it better and I do, but also I, I couldn't tell you things just really sort of, we started to just sort of take one foot in front of the other and lo and behold, it got us somewhere. Like it really did. And it was just a matter of 
continuing to work on it, staying optimistic and really staying, it's not just hope and it's not hope and bliss. Like there's a lot of planning and a lot of strategic thinking and a lot of um, critical reflection. None of this, as much as it, it did create itself from, from a dream and from a thought, um, there was a lot of intention involved and, and it is absolutely what got us here, but it was, it was really just a matter of one foot in front of the other and, and pushing when we didn't know, we didn't know, so let's push one more time. Let's, let's take one more meeting. Let's take that phone call one more time. Let's do it differently. Let's not be the people that send a DM. Like we were the people that requested virtual meetings or masked face to face when we could, we stood up in front of people that we thought these people will never listen to two women who started a business from nothing. They're going to laugh in our face. And we still said, we're calling them. We're taking that meeting. And here we are. Yeah. It was kind of like, for me, I always relate it to uh, when I have to go to like parent teacher meetings for my um, eldest daughter. And they asked me like, well, what, what do you think she could be working on? I'm like, well, I don't like, you literally trained to be a teacher. I'm really not the person to ask. I, <laughs> I just had kids. You have all the information. You should be telling me how I can help her. And it was sort of getting over that almost imposter syndrome, you know, like calling and saying, hey, can we have a meeting about this space you have? Or can we talk to you about um, retaining you as our lawyer? I really had to remember that I am uh, an actual adult who is capable of doing these things. And I didn't need to call my mom, you know, to make my doctor's appointment for me or to like make sure I paid my taxes on time. This was actually something we were capable of. But especially uh, as women, I think it is a very common thread that we are a little bit led to believe that we need someone to give us the boost to be able to get these things done, whether that be like a connection or like a guy we know in a certain industry, or like maybe our neighbor has that person that is renting the building. We could actually do that ourselves. We didn't need that boost from anyone else. And a lot of the hurdle for me was, um, was just coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think you both touched on a lot of great points there. And it's it's great to sort of hear, you know, the evolution of it and how the business came to be. And, you know, one of the parts too was sort of the space for your business. And so I'm curious to hear, you know, about what drove you one to Windsor. Um, because Janet, I know that you said you recently moved here three years ago. And Erin, you said you you didn't never thought you'd be back in Windsor. You know, what brought you to that location um, as well as, you know, on Ottawa Street? Uh, for me, Windsor specifically was really about, uh, my family. My husband's job is very, um, Windsor centric and it would be, uh, as well as the combination of having a, a daughter here that, um, that I share custody with, uh, you know, her dad and, and stepmother, um, who work really hard to, um, to work with us here in Windsor. It would just be such a mess for us to move anywhere else. Um, so as of 2017, I really had to decide uh, whatever I'm doing is going to be based in Windsor, at least for the next 20 years, because it's important that I um, support my family here and not just make this choice based on what might be good for me. Um, turns out those things are the same, but at the time I really was thinking like, so I got to find something in Windsor. Like this will be fun. Uh, my mom was born in Windsor. And so a large chunk of my extended family uh, lives here and and has always. Um, so I've been coming here my whole life and I've always found roots here. And then when I met my husband and um, we, we'd visit, I couldn't even tell you how many times, like we were here all the time visiting my cousins. They're really like my siblings here. And, um, you know, we were sort of at that, at that point in our lives um, back in Burlington and, we just, you know, you were going to go take the next step and buy and just settle into that shuffle. And um, we had been to open houses here. We had always, always tossed around the idea of living in Windsor. 
And we were actually in a meeting with a mortgage broker and he said, well, you know, uh, he was showing us our options and he said, but you got to get into the market, right? So I literally in the middle of the meeting looked at my husband, Ryan, and I said, no, we don't. And we packed up like, like, thanks. We'll call you later. Got in the car. And I said, what if we put the pedal down on Windsor? Like, what if we really just look? And within nine days, we both had jobs in a house. (laughs) So, and that's, it's funny because we, we, we were at a pace, which we just, both of us didn't identify with, but, um, I transferred within my company to the same position that I had there, um, in a location here. And my husband stayed in his field in a very similar role, but we, instantly felt the change of pace here and the ability to sort of sit down and reflect and look at what we wanted our life to look like. So we had just been go, go, go and kind of not getting really anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess like Ottawa street specifically, it wasn't, um, it wasn't honestly a conscious choice to be on Ottawa specifically. It ended up being exactly the right fit for our business. But originally mm-hmm. we were just thinking, what can we afford and what neighborhoods are beneficial for small businesses? So it really did come down to um, either, you know, Walkerville, the stretch of, uh, you know, between sort of Lincoln, Gladstone and uh, Kildare or, or Ottawa Street. And we did have options in both places. And this is just the one that happened to, you know, have all the pieces fall into place at the right time where we could say we either take it now or we wait. Um, so we just said yes. Yeah, it was a space we both quite literally walked past a thousand times. And even though we scoured and we were looking and we were on the hunt and we were calling unmarked buildings, trying to figure out who was in charge to take the meeting. Literally like driving down the road, I would I would call Janet and be like, I just saw a building that doesn't have an occupied <laughs> sign on it. Like, but like, go on Google, find out who owns it. Let's call Oh, them. yeah. It was very strange. We we went to some of our small business network to just say like, does anybody know? Does anybody know? We quite literally walked past 1505 Auto Street more times than we could count. And it was a meeting that was, it couldn't have been more spontaneous. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it all moved very quickly. And it was really clear early on that that, that it was going to be the space. And like so much so that we just went like without, without a, uh, without the hard answers, we were like, okay, so let's start sorting out product and we're going to call this person back and let's go. Like let's, I was designing, um, the aesthetic of the store. We were like, we were in, yeah, before we were in. literally before we had signed any papers, we had like product purchased and we had an opening day and we were just going, well, <laughs> hopefully this works out because it is we had a name. Favorite, so like fingers crossed. I love that. That's, that's such a great story. And um, you touched upon there too, about, you know, bringing the products into it and how you wanted to create the space that, you know, you really believed in and with the like local um, atmosphere to it. And you want to just, you know, talk a little bit about how you chose what products to bring in and, you know, sort of around that aspect as well. We both had experiences in lots of different stores at that point. At this point, sort of mid-summer, I was in, um, I had 10 locations that were purchasing from me wholesale, as well as two or three that I worked on a consignment basis with. And through that network of people, I just, you develop relationships and start conversations. And um, it was the same thing that Janet touched on earlier that, you know, when we couldn't find the things we wanted locally, like, why, why is that? Why can't we find these things? Um, and the same conversation kept coming to my head, which was none of these situations are quite perfect for me. They're not quite exactly what I would create for myself. They're not exactly what I would do. They work and they're, they're good for these situations. But what I need is just 
you know, it needs some tweaks. It needs to be a little bit different here. I need to work with my family schedule a little bit better. So it really, um, us looking for a lot of products in my perspective started for, started with me looking at who else could benefit from, um, a different situation who might need a sort of a different kind of boost, a different kind of support, um, you know, a different configuration, uh, other than, you know, we have amazing stores in Windsor, Essex already. When we opened, we had, you know, Whiskey Jack, um, Emerson Supply Co. out in Essex, uh, the Urban Art Market, the local maker. These are all stores that are fantastic. Um, and we didn't need to replicate what they were doing. So it really was a case of looking at what was there already and what we saw missing and figuring out how to bring that that missing piece in. Yeah. So there were there were a few categories that jumped out to us right away. First of all, as things we had identified as like, hey, this is what we'd like to be finding. Um, and things that um, also are attached to our uh, individual business identities. And then um, it really became a matter of like, let's seek small businesses. Um, let's like, let's make sure the product is exactly what we have in mind, that it's quality, that the aesthetic is right. And then let's dig into their values. Let's find out who these people are, who the face is behind behind the logo. Um, and start there and and lo and behold like we it wasn't it wasn't long at all before there was an entire framework of this like you know values aligned incredible businesses incredible products that we could bring in and that were just I mean we didn't even have a website we were like like it was the most grovelly sales pitch it was like hey I promise like here's who we are and people were like tell me more and like why anyone even opened that email it probably looked like spam (laughs) (laughs) and you know so when you when you're walking around aggregate like some people there are some some small businesses that are local or within a short drive from here but we have we've represented businesses from uh virginia from out west i mean we really we're really doing our best to be a very much a collective space that um gives four walls to people and a new audience to people that wouldn't have had it before Mm -hmm. I, i i definitely like i love like sort of the approach that you took from that and especially you know seeing the face behind the brands and you know giving those people a space where they can really showcase their their work and their business um which i think is so important and you talked a little bit about brand identity there as well and um i'm curious to hear a bit about aaron i know you recently did a rebrand on um your business a little bit about you know what drove you towards this and sort of um you know the thought behind the rebrand that you've recently done um it was a lot of a lot of moving pieces came to that it was something that I was talking to Janet about honestly probably before we even um opened aggregate it was always a a conversation around the way you present yourself um is very much I'm I'm a very big supporter of the idea that people aren't they're buying beeswax wraps but it's really an afterthought they are buying uh the way I present myself and, and the person in the business that I've created, you can get beeswax wraps on Amazon. You can buy them at, you know, the grocery store in some places. It's not a proprietary product, but the identity um, of, of what it means to me and why I started it. And, and the things that I want to help people do with these little moves in their home and in their kitchen and for their family is very much a representation of who I am as a person. Um, but the way my brand started, because it happened so quickly, my branding uh, from day one, I had, you know, just like a little uh, internet made sticker that I did on my own that I sort of took from a, a Google image search that I had for about six weeks until I um, fully had a branding package done, which I loved. But it was really a representation at the time of what I was being told my brand um, should be and what it should become. And 
what it should show to the community as opposed to um, who I really was and what I was trying to do with the brand. So eventually it got to a point where I was looking at this beautiful branding and I didn't really see myself in it because it was something that um, that represented just these are beeswax wraps as opposed to there's a really heartfelt reason behind why I believe in this and why I think that this is really just one small piece of a much bigger picture that everyone needs to be looking at. And I wanted my branding to be more representative of of my feelings and who I am truly as a person behind it. Um, because like I said, the product you can get anywhere. I truly believe that I make a really good product. I get amazing reviews. Um, it's not for lack of wanting to sell the product as part of the business, but just of recognizing that I am a lot more than just a, a you know, a logo or, um, you know, a picture of a bee. Um, and even if you put all that aside, every single company doing anything that's eco-friendly uses a bee right now, literally every single one. So I looked and I thought, I'm none of these people and I'm not just the brand. And I want to be something um, that is my own, that is simpler and um, maybe a little bit uh, egotistical. I've had a couple people point out that the image of a crown is very much um, reminiscent of the queen bee idea, but anyone who knows me knows I am a little bit egotistical and very confident and proud of what I've created. So I think that is truly rep representative of how I feel about my brand and, and what I'm creating with it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a great point that it should really represent yourself in the brand. And Jen, I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little about, about branding, you know, your business, as well as I know you both spoke about sort of the branding of shop aggregate as well. And sort of a little bit about what goes into that. I think I'll probably talk a little bit more about aggregate. Um, I do, I do our social media. I do most of our website. I do all of our merchandising. Um, I do our product photography. Um, so I do all the taxes. That's why. Jen yeah. I do, I do I do taxes. Yeah. She's great. She always makes sure that I have a hot coffee. Like she's <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> um, but it's definitely like, it's, it's my transferable. It's my passion and it's, it's my brain. It makes sense. Like we definitely like to lean to strengths. Um, and we'll sort the rest out later. <laughs> so we always say we'll get there. Um, but so for me, when I'm, I mean, in this, in this world where we're just all online and you're expected to explain who you are and what you are and why someone should choose you over someone else or however you want to word that, but let's just be honest, the majority of people will tell you that that happens with your online presence. Um, and in a time where we cannot be open, I mean, both Aaron and I thrive in the customer world. Like we just love being in the store with our community, with our neighborhood, being on Ottawa street. We have a lot of people just pop in to say hi regularly. Um, but when you can't do that, you have to recognize that like your brand and your presence online, um, goes beyond the logo that you copy paste into whatever onto your website or whatever it is that you're using, it goes into everything that you do. So you want someone to be able to recognize that they're on tapping through on your page before, before they stop and look up in that little left-hand corner to see that, yeah, in fact they are. You want to inspire people to be interested in what it is that you're sharing with them, whether it's Aaron and I being goofy, doing lives or dry shampoo demonstrations or real shampoo demonstrations. And, um, you know, we we're pretty okay to just say like, let's try this, let's try something new, but is it who we are? Um, and that's, that's one nice thing about as much as this, this business unfolded uh, on its own, it was always done with intention. And so it's easy to bring that back into our online um, and our brand presence. And a lot of that is just, I mean, you can tell even in the products we sell really 
if, if you took it all away and you just gave us a white background, you, you'd know you were shopping aggregate because of the way we choose our products or, or I'd like to believe that. And it mm-hmm. is, like you said, it is really like being, um, represented in your business like janet just said with the with the shampoo like i i genuinely got in my shower and thought if we're going to tell people that this is great like it has this has to be real like we were not really i didn't see us being a film crew or like a sort of a really beautiful professionally done video you know like the old herbal essences commercials and everything's <laughs> beautiful and there's flowers everywhere i thought this really is people in their shower wondering if they want to spend 15 dollars on something that you know we're saying is good why, you know, why can't I just take a video of me showering and then edit it to be just about here so that people can see that this is something we truly believe in, that we truly will use at home and that we think is great for you. Um, and I think a lot of Janet's sort of behind the scenes works, all of our social media and our, our branding is really um, very clear in those kinds of things where we truly want to want to have our brand come through in the products we choose. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I, I think that's so important. And I love that, you know, you guys really with with all your businesses um, are very authentic on social media online, especially and with your products and, you know, showing like the face behind the brand, which I which I think is so important, too. And you both talked a little bit about, you know, how you each have your own straight strengths and you know how you can support each other and do you have sort of any advice for maybe someone who's looking or going into business with someone you know finding that right fit for a business partner Ooh, good question (laughs) um i i think you really to be very stereotypical you have to be able to look at the person and say i don't like it i don't like your idea i think that's not gonna work or i you and even conversely, you have to be be comfortable in saying to someone like, I am not good at social media. It is not my thing. Um, my photography is done by someone that I trust. My captions are written by me, but all of my everything else is someone else's work. Um, and in that respect, I had to be comfortable saying to Janet, this isn't something I can do for us. I cannot take this on. Um, it's not my skill. And I'm not great at doing that. But finding the right person that will say, that's okay, because I can do that here's here's where we need to fill in those gaps um you have to have that comfort level to be able to just be really honest about who you are and what your abilities are and you have to have the strength to you know put your hand up when you see something that Mm -hmm. you don't like and and truly be honest about your opinion because you know there's not that many times but there's times when I think what is that why are we ordering that like what is this Mm -hmm. thing we're bringing into the store and then you know Janet can go but wait let me tell you about this thing that you're not sure about. And Mm -hmm. having that room to give to each other to say, you may not understand this, but you trust me and here's why this is going to work really is what works for us, I think. Yeah. Foundationally, a few things I think need to be in line. And I think for people who are considering um, a point in business where you're making business choices that, that require a partner, foundationally, you need to be pretty set. I mean, when the rubber meets the road, if I'm, if I'm like just going crazy for something in sort of our family category that Erin just doesn't have the experience or exposure to, and she's kind of like smiling and nodding at me, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to show her some numbers. We're going to talk about the plan, the strategy, and what my commitment to maybe taking a risk or bringing in something that isn't really resonating with Erin, just purely by whatever. Um, we both have had, we could list some products right now that the other one kind of went, okay. I mean, I, 
it looks good on paper. You've done your work here. I mean, I don't know what it is. And these are some of like literally our, our most amazing selling items. Some of the things that our customers have just said, like, thank you for bringing this here. Thank you for introducing me to this brand. Um, and it was things that the other one, you know, the other partner kind of said, okay, well, I mean, thanks for giving me the proof here. So, so foundation needs to exist before you can just go pluck a business partner, but yeah, definitely the ability to accept constructive feedback to, I don't even want to say agree to disagree because sometimes we're not even agreeing on disagreeing. We're just disagreeing. Um, the ability to ask for help, the willingness to say, I'm not good at that, or I'm not comfortable with this. There's been some things that we've just, you know, but, and we're in constant communication. So you have to like each other yeah. <laughs> like constantly talking. Yeah. Really all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I think those are some really great tips and, you know, great insights into, you know, anyone looking to go into business, because I think it is great. And you guys had that relationship before as well, going into business together, being able to, you know, bounce ideas off of and, you know, talk about expanding businesses. And um, I'm curious, too, is, you know, with both of you running two businesses, as well as family and everything else going on a little bit about, you know, how you manage this and maybe any advice for someone else who might look at sort of that time management. I am uh, I am terrible at time management. I definitely, uh, if you have anyone else that offers any advice on this, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I, please have them call us. <laughs> I really, uh, like last night is a perfect example. I had like 45 minutes free and uh, my three kids were in bed and my husband was playing a video game online with his friends. Um, I sat in the bath and called Janet. And we had a full on business meeting while I was in the bath drinking a glass of wine. Because that was my, that's, that's where my time management is. I have to make things work uh, where I can still find my, you know, relaxing time. And luckily our relationship is such that it's not stressful to have those meetings. But uh, like truly, I don't, I'm terrible at managing my time. I honestly don't know. There's days I wake up at like 6am and I think, my God, I have 12 hours that I need to get through before I can get back to this space. Like what is going <laughs> to get me from A to B? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I... Also, like if, if it's a question of how do you balance, I can't say that I, I can't say that there is much balance, um, but you have, you have to be willing to accept that some days are 90% business, 3% you, 7% family. Some days are not. Some days we have learned actually since um, the mid-December closure days that we completely shut off. There, um, uh, we always are in touch. Um, I mean, I don't think we've actually successfully had one day where we haven't, but there's, it, it'll be a phone call. It's more um, passion, excitement, and less about like fire up the laptop. Let's sit down one more time. Like, and, and the ability to really wrap our heads around some complete thoughts that we just weren't getting at, um, getting to before. I think the willingness to accept that you can make a to-do list. And if you knock two things out of 10 off, it's a win. If you knock eight things halfway off, it's a win. Knowing what the bigger picture looks like and how to, how to adapt your, your plans and, and what you need to accomplish uh, and ask for help when you're not meeting that. I mean, the, the balance thing, I'm just going to say, please, if you know someone who can help me <laughs> balance my life, I would really like to talk to them. But yeah. <laughs> it were, it still works, right? I mean, Aaron and I are both very hardworking people. We've been raised to not believe that, sit back, relax, it'll come. Like we've both been raised very similarly, which was, okay, so you have this and you have this, but you need to make this. So what are you going to do to figure it out? And you have one day to do it. Um, so we're, we're hardworking people. So we're, we're okay with it. 
Mm-hmm. That, that definitely makes sense. And I think you both touched on some great points there. And I think that, you know, it is really important, especially to like have those boundaries and take that time. And I'd be curious to know is one big challenge that, you know, either of you have overcome with your businesses and sort of what you did during that time to get through that. I mean, everything has been a challenge. I don't think I've had too many encounters or um, instances where I thought like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle this. But um, the common thread through any any issue that I had building both Beekeeper and then working um, to build Aggregate was overcoming, like I said earlier, that sort of imposter syndrome that there are other people doing this and they're doing it better because they're more experienced or more educated or they know more people or, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I think that is, uh, that has been a very common thread in my entrepreneurial journey is sitting there thinking like any moment, all of these people are going to figure out, I don't really know anything. And when they ask me for advice, I'm really only giving my experience um, but it's the same thing as, you know, when you're a kid, you think your parents know everything and that there's a reason they're making all the choices they make. But I make decisions for my kids and I think, oh, my parents knew nothing because I know nothing. I'm just on like flying by the seat of my pants saying whatever comes out first. And then that's the decision I make. And that's very much the same way I have run my business. So as crazy as that might seem, it has done really well for me just embracing the fact that uh eventually you have to uh, accept that you probably don't know everything you need to know to take the next step, but no one's going to stop you taking the next step anyway. You know, there's no one saying, oh no, I'm sorry, Aaron, you can't start this business because you don't know how to pay HST. I just started charging HST and then called the government and said, hey, what do I do now? Because I've, I've started doing it, um, but I don't think I'm doing it right. And everything falls into place. And all of my advice comes from those experiences, which I think is positive. So as challenging as all those things are, um, just overcoming that, you know, imposter syndrome has been the biggest hurdle for me. Yeah. To that point, Erin, I think having that resourcefulness, there was a few times when um, I just felt like my growth was ahead of me. Like I wasn't quite caught up with where my business was. I felt like I was a couple of steps behind my own business and uh, sort of taking, giving myself a minute to kind of to figure it out and to forgive myself for not knowing it all in advance. And, um, you know, also being open to learn from a million different avenues. So, you know, putting your pride on the shelf and asking for help or backpedaling when you're wrong, call, calling the government and saying, oops, or whatever it was, right. Or, or, or being okay with wanting something to be here, but needing it to be, you know, just a little bit, a little bit below that mark. And that is still enough. Uh, I think when I really look back on obstacles, some of the times it was that I, I really actually do think the business was a few steps ahead of where I was, but I still managed to figure it out and catch myself up. So it applies to aggregate too. Like definitely there's times where we've just had to make a decision and, and sort it out really like execute something as we're creating it, uh, specifically running a storefront with a pandemic. And, and we take a lot of pride in, in some of our safety measures and, and our protocols and going above and beyond to keep ourselves safe and, and to show, to be an example to the decision makers on whether or not businesses could stay open to say, you need to trust that your businesses can figure this out. So it just, it's a matter of, having an obstacle and, and, and like capturing it and being ahead of it. So. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too, is recognizing that most of the obstacles um, I have faced or that Jan and I have faced together as well 
um, other people don't see, right? Nobody knows the mistakes you make unless you point them out. And if you don't tell anyone that you didn't know what you were doing and you still managed to get through it and learn something, uh, you're really ahead of the game. So I think the advice, I guess, that I would give on that to anyone else would be, you don't have to tell everyone everything that's going on behind the scenes. If you, know, if you decide to relaunch your brand or, or make a new product and it doesn't go the way you want it to, uh, people don't have to know that. You can choose what to share with people watching. So your journey really only, the perception of it can be whatever you want to create as long as you're being authentic to yourself. Yes, absolutely. I, th- I think those are such great pieces of advice. And I think it goes back to, to you know, that saying, you know, start before you're ready, because a lot of those things you don't even know that, you know, what you need to know until you really mm-hmm. actually get started. So I think that, you know, that's some really great insights there. And where can people go to find um, all of your businesses online? We do a lot of, you can go to our website. Uh, we have um, shopaggregate.com what, that we keep, uh, that Janet keeps very well stocked. Um, but really for us, it's keeping, keeping the community alive and, and keeping our, our business and our vision still there fresh in people's minds. But we don't want to lose traction with them, with something we're so passionate about. So it's, the sales part is really important, but for me, it's a lot more important for people to know that we're not, we're not losing steam just because we're, our doors are closed. Um, we are trying to do everything we can, and the website is just a small part of that. Yeah. On the website, though, you will find the email subscription, which is sort of we're starting to finally, um, we've got kind of our processes in place for being online only. So it's a way that we can kind of connect. People can hear what's new, what's exciting, or just just kind of stay in touch with us. Um, and it's very much written from Jan and Aaron. Um, so that's, that's a great way for people to be connected to, but we are both, we like Instagram. We're Instagram people. It's our generation. It's our thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm bubblegums limited on Instagram. Um, I can happy to set up phone calls and zoom calls and I love safety questions and inspiration questions. So I can always be found in one of my many inboxes for right now, but, um, we always are encouraging people once we're reopened to just come in and talk to us. We love it. So amazing. Well, thank you both so much for joining me here today and telling me about, you know, your businesses and your journeys as entrepreneurs. And I'm just so excited to see all that's to come. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.